Okay, so I want to I want to brag on somebody real quick. Jacob Robles got a major award this week. I know, isn't that cool? So, um, it's again, it's important for the local church to be uh, the, to impact the community. And so we got recognized within the city for Jacob Robles serving at Kid Care International and Granite Creek Community Church. We got it in print. Major award, right? Uh, 350 hours in a year of volunteer. And I know a lot of you guys put in a lot of hours and volunteering and stuff like that, but you don't have a major award. <laughs> you weren't recognized by the city. So I think it's cool. I want to be recognized by the city of Claremont. <laughs> oh, I, I know they do. Yeah, yeah they, uh, they recognized me earlier this week. I didn't get a major award, though. I got something else. Okay. Uh, do you know what day it is today? It's Sunday. I know. It's a special Sunday. Do you know what special Sunday this is? It's Ascension Sunday. You know, and, um, okay, so obviously we make a big deal about Christmas, the birth of Jesus. We make a big deal about the death of Jesus. We make a big deal about the resurrection of Jesus. But when was the last time you heard a message on the Ascension? I mean, maybe last year when I did it last year, right? Um, but we don't really spend a whole lot of time talking about the ascension of Jesus. It's kind of a weird thing, I think. It's um, like Jesus levitating off the planet and going into heaven. It's weird. It, it doesn't make, it, it, it's really hard for us to get our, our heads around it. It almost seems like it's a myth or it's like mythology. Did it, you know, really, did this really happen where he just floated off into the sky? Yeah, he did. And that, that really seems kind of weird. And um, uh, the ancient world, um, you could say that the ancient world was, probably for a lack of better terms, it was superstitious. Would, would you agree? I mean, they had, well, superstitious is the wrong word. They were spiritual, unlike we are. We're, we're just, we just don't have a spiritual mindset. Uh, you know, the... the the scientific age has done something to us. And I like science. I'm, I'm a big fan of science. I, I, I like knowledge, and, and I want to learn. Um, but for, for the most part, it really kind of did something to it. Reason has kind of messed with our spirituality. Now, reason is completely okay in the Bible. Reason is, uh, the Bible says, let's come together and let us reason. So I'm not bashing reason. But there is a, there, there's a dip. We're, we're very similar to the ancients. But we're also a little bit different in that, that they saw everything as being spiritual. And we just don't. We, we, we see things as being material. So, um, where us, it might seem really bizarre that somebody would levitate off the planet. They might be okay with it, right? Because they have different, you know, they, they saw Elijah do it. Or they, you know, they might be okay with it. But here's the interesting thing about the ancients. Okay, that's... You know, they saw everything in spiritual terms. That makes them different than us. But what makes them very similar to us is the idea that they had problems with the resurrection. Did you know that? They had problems with, with uh, um, the, the resurrection of a, of a physical body. Okay, maybe they're okay if, like, if somebody got raised from the dead. Hmm? They might be okay with that. But what they had a big, giant problem with was the resurrection of Jesus' body or of a glorified body. 
They didn't see any value in it because in the ancient mindset, physical things were bad and spiritual things were good. Does that make sense? So in, in the, especially in the Greek and Roman world where it's platonic, where, where there's a separation between the physical body and the spirit, uh, they didn't really see a value. Why, why, would, why would somebody divine want to become flesh? Because that flesh doesn't make sense. Flesh is evil, spirit is good. That, that's the basic idea. But even in, the, even in the Jewish tradition, they had these thoughts. Now, there were a handful, there were a handful of, of Jews that believed that, that the physical world is, is a good thing because it was created by God and that the whole, all of God's creation was going to be redeemed. So there were, there were Jews that believed that. Then there were Jews that disbelieved, you know, once you're dead, you're dead, and your spirit, and you're over with. You're, you're, you're in this continual dream state for eternity. That's kind of depressing, right? But that's what they believed. So when Jesus, when he dies, and when he resurrects, um, he came back to life, right? Uh, and this happens, okay, even in our scientific age, this happens, right? You, you know, you turn on, I don't know, what's the show, Lifetime, or what are these fluffy shows on cable? Lifetime and Hallmark, where, you know, people have near-death experiences, right? Uh, people, you know, they, their, their heart stops, and they get the vision of the tunnel, and, you know, and they die, and, or they, maybe they experience heaven. There's even been cases of people have experienced going to hell. Oh, my gosh, really? And then they come back to life. Steve's not in here yet. Okay, and Janie's upstairs. You know the rule, right? If you're not in church, I get to pick on you. Hmm? <laughs> so Steve Shogren, who, who's a, he's a, one of our elders, and Pastor Janie, she's upstairs teach, teaching a class. Okay, so he died. I mean, it's like documented. This guy raised him from the dead. It's really cool. It's written down in a book, right? We can prove it. I, we can't prove it. Can we prove it? It's in, it's in, it's in writing, right? <laughs> It's on the internet, so it must be true. Um, we have firsthand account of this, and so Steve's, Steve's uh, his recollection of uh, of dying is that he was up on the roof, up on top of, a, of a, the, the hospital room, and he's looking down and he sees Pastor Larry praying for him, and then his body slams back into his body, or his spirit slams back into his body. Like a, just a train wreck. It's it's an amazing story. I mean, he you got he wrote Steve wrote about it in the book called The Day I Died, and, and it's, it's it's incredible. And so, uh, but here's the thing: uh, Steve came back to life, but he wasn't resurrected. Does it, do you see what I'm saying? He doesn't have a resurrected body. He does not have a glorified body. Janie can attest to this. Right? I, unfor- unfortunately, I mean, unless pastor raises him from the dead again, he's going to die, right? Unless Jesus comes back before his time is up, Steve Shogren is going to die again. And so are you, and, and I'm going to die again. Well, it depends, right? You've been watching the news? You've been watching the news, folks. We might make it, right? We might, we might, we might escape the, the first death. I've, uh, that's a We'll have this class again on a Wednesday night. But it, it, it seems like things are lining up. Anyway, um, yeah, so if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today's a good day. But the point I'm, I'm trying to make with this is that, yeah, people do come back to life. It, it happens, and it even happens in the, in the scientific world, right? 
But the resurrected body of Jesus is something else. See, when he, was, when he resurrected from the dead, it wasn't as if like the angels came into the tomb and they did the, they did the defibrillator on him, right? They went, boom, okay, we've got him back alive. And he's going to lift up, he's going to live the rest of his years and he's going to die of a natural old age. No. Like Jesus' body was glorified at the moment of his resurrection. Like when he was raised from the dead, it was for good. And like he, his body was never going to die again. That is why when, when he was walking around, he could walk through walls. Yet he would sit down and eat fish, right? He could be hanging out and doing a, a church service at Granite Creek Community Church. And then just, uh, I don't know, he, he got bored with my message and then he would teleport to some other really cool church, right? <laughs> that's, that's the kind of body Jesus has. And you might think, oh, that's cool. And why aren't the ancients digging that? They didn't. They didn't like it. They didn't understand it. Okay, so let's take a look at the scripture. Acts. If you want to get your, your Bibles out, we're going to look at the book of Acts, written by Luke. And here's the interesting thing about the book of Acts. Uh, it is kind of the, the, the continuation of the Gospel of Luke. So again, Acts was written by Luke. And Luke is a lot like we are. Luke was a, he was a thinker. He was a person of reason. And there, there, are, there are a few books in the Bible that go a, after the idea of proving that Jesus existed. John is one. Luke is another one. And so listen to the beginning of this. Luke says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all the things that Jesus began to do and teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Okay, so first of all, this isn't, um, this isn't some weird little hermit guy making up stories in a cave. I think this is what's so amazing, what's so cool about the Bible, that this is a letter to some guy named Theophilus. And what, we don't know a whole lot about him, but what we do know, and especially the way that this text is written, is Theophilus was probably a thinker. And what Luke is doing is he's using reason to say, this is true. This really happened. You need to pay attention to this. Oh, man of reason, Theophilus, pay attention to what's going on. And so it, it's kind of a it's, a, it's an apologetic letter. Apologetic is, you know, the, the, the using reason to argue that, that something is true. And there's other ways that you can argue something that is true, like experience. And Jesus did a whole lot of that. Jesus was always trying to say, you know, I am the son of God. I, I, I you know, this is, who, this is my identity. I've come to save and redeem the world. Nobody believed him. He preached amazing messages. The Sermon on the Mount blew everybody's head off, but nobody believed that he was the Son of God. They didn't believe he was the Son of God until he healed somebody. And so what Jesus said, he says, okay, maybe you don't believe the words that are coming out of my mouth, but you have to believe the evidence of the physical miracles. Those you can't ignore. Does that make sense? So we, we can reason with word, but we have to have word and deed, right? We have to have the, the power of expression. And that's, that's, what's, that's what he's talking about. 
Okay, so this is a letter to somebody that, that, that understands reason. These are intellectuals of the time. They're not uneducated farmers. All right, pay attention to this. Verse 3. After suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. Okay? Okay, these are people. These are Jesus' friends. These are the, okay, not the 12. It's now the 11. These are the 11 that knew him well. These are all the other uh, people on the fringe, the, the other disciples. They, they, they knew Jesus. They ate with him. They hung out with him. Yet when they encountered his resurrected body, they, didn't, they couldn't believe their eyes. Does that, does that make sense? I mean, they had the man there. And Thomas is the great example of this, doubting Thomas. Uh, uh, maybe that's kind of an unfair uh, tagline to put on him. Maybe reasoning Thomas would be better, right? Some of you have to have proof. Some of you have to have empirical proof. And Thomas was like us. He had to have proof. And it is so bizarre because if you think about it, he was in the room. They could see him. And again, it wasn't good enough for Thomas. He had to stick his hands in the holes and his, his, his fingers in the holes of his hands and, his, and in his side. He had, to, he had to know. He got chastised for that, by the way. But he had to know. They didn't, they didn't recognize the man, the man Jesus. It was the same body that hung on the cross. Like his voice didn't change. His hair didn't turn to white as snow. That comes later. But he was the same man. Yet for some reason, even in the physical form, they had a hard time recognizing him. Because in their natural approach to life, they had issues with the resurrected body of Jesus, even his friends, even his Jews. And so when, when, when we just read, whenever Jesus appeared to them over and over again, it's like Jesus had to prove to them again and again and again who he was. Again, the people that were closest to him. Isn't that bizarre? I think it's bizarre. It lets you in to the psyche of the human condition, I believe. We have a hard time understanding the truth of who Jesus is, even when he's right in front of us. Do you ever, I think about this all the time. How many people think that, that the world is just kind of getting more confusing? As we progress, as, as we are moving forward in our civilization, I mean, things are getting gray, right? And I just wish, I, 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 I whine about this all the time. I just wish that I could have Jesus here with me so I could ask him specific questions about life. What is the right thing that we do here? Stem cell research. Is that right or is that wrong, Jesus? What would Jesus do? Because it's not in the book. We don't, what, what would you do? We don't understand this one. Capital punishment, Jesus. What would you do with capital punishment? It's a little gray for us. We're trying to under, get our heads around this. Do I spank my eight-year-old or not? Jesus, what would you do? 
That's a joke, folks. Come on. Come on. Right? Because it doesn't say, well, okay, it does say spank your kids. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah, spare the rod, spoil the child. So, so here's your application. Today on your way out, uh, go get a switch from one of our trees at church. And, and you, oh, boy. I know. Stop. I know. So this is a holy switch. <laughs> this is a switch from church. No, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't do that. I mean, we're trying to fix those. I, you know what? Whenever I encounter people that are outside of the church life, that is one of the big things that, that, that we have to heal people and pastor people through. It's like, you know, mom and dad used the church to get me. I've heard, I actually heard that one yesterday. Mom and dad used the church to control and manipulate and make me feel bad about myself. Literal words that came out of the, this person's mouth. And it's like, oh my gosh, I don't have the time to put you back together right now. Anyway, um, but Jesus isn't here, is he? We don't have the opportunity to ask him these, these tough questions. And don't you so wish that you could have some, him here? Yeah, all right. It's actually better that he's not. We, were, we are no different than the ancients. Like, if he was actually here, we probably wouldn't recognize him. Like, if he was actually here, we probably wouldn't even respect what he would have to say. It's hard to know if we would even follow him. And, and Jesus knew this. In John 26, he says, It is better for you that I leave the planet did you know that? I, could you imagine being the apostles? Okay, Jesus came back to life. Okay, maybe we don't understand exactly what we're looking at with this resurrected body, but he came back to life, and he's going to what? He's going to establish his kingdom here on earth, and he's going to kick the Romans out. They still, have, they still don't understand the kingdom of God. They still don't get it. So this is what they're excited about. They're going to kick him out. They're gonna, we're gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna, we're going to rule the planet. And Jesus says, it's better that I leave you because I'm going to send you the advocate, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity. And what you get is better than if I was actually physically here telling you what to do and bossing you around. I I mean, I would be okay being bossed around by Jesus. Anybody else? Jesus bossed me around. Write a song. That sounds like a country western song, doesn't it? <laughs> Jesus bossed me around. Okay. Um, okay, let's continue. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. He continues his message, right? Jesus' message is, is one of the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Those I would have liked to have sat in on. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that cool? 
Holy Spirit's calling right now. And sorry. It, it, it's fair game, folks. Your phone goes off. I'm going to mock you in public. All right. It happens to us, too. That's why my phone's upstairs. All right, here's the, the big giant. It's a good thing the apostles weren't teaching seminary because they just don't get it, right? They just don't get it. Verse 6. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you uh, at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Again, they're, they're thinking politically. Even though they're ancients and everything is spiritual, they're still thinking carnally. They've got this political mindset that's still a poison in their heads. They don't understand the kingdom of God yet. And Jesus lets them have it. He says, said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. Okay, here we go. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to what? The ends of the earth. What an incredible vision he gives these knuckleheads. You're going to go to the ends of the earth. And they came really close, didn't they? India. Wow. Just from that, that, that assignment right there sent Doubting Thomas to India, where he gets run through by a spear. That's awesome. <laughs> Sign me up for the good news of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Could we do that today? I think we're all about um, the men's breakfast. Uh, one of the guys did an incredible message on... Uh, God's not here to make you happy, or Jesus didn't come to make you happy. It was absolutely amazing. Joy is the key. He's out to give you joy. And that, with, with joy, you'll go to India. Hmm? With joy, you'll be more content to go to India than you would to go to Las Vegas. I've got to leave that alone. I keep going back to Las Vegas. Stop that, huh? Okay. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking up so intently up into the sky as if he was going to set, excuse me, he was, they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking up into the sky? Now this same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. They returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs into the upper room where they were staying, those present, Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, um, Simon, and Judas, not the bad Judas, the good Judas, and James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, right? Constantly in prayer. Along with the women, Mary, 
and the mother of Jesus with his brothers. Okay, so this is fascinating to me. So um, he, he corrects them. He, he, he's saying, okay, you know what? You, you guys are still thinking with the wrong mindset. It's, it's not about me coming in and, and fixing your, your political, social, economic situation. It's about me breathing life into your souls. I'm not saying God doesn't care about social justice. It, clearly he does. But he cares more about your soul than he cares about politics. Yes, the enemy of God rules his kingdom through poverty and despair. No doubt about that. That happens. But the only way poverty and despair gets shattered is when the spirit of the living God comes into a poor, broken person's spirit or when the spirit of the living God ignites somebody that has resources and they give and they decide to change the world. That's how the kingdom of heaven works. It doesn't work... I don't know. I'm just saying this through experience, folks. So you can disagree. It doesn't work through electing officials. Right? Social change is not going to happen if you get your man in office. I, uh, you could feel free to disagree with me on that point. Um, Jake, Jake Hamilton is on tour. He's doing amazing things. A few weeks back when we did the prophetic conference, remember that, if you were here? Okay. So he... Um, he brought out the statistics that 90% of cell traffic, uh, video cell traffic and, and iPods and all this, it's all on pornography, right? That's where we spend most of our time is looking at porn. That's, that's what Americans do with their free time instead of baseball games now. Um, all these young people, and I have them up in my office, we'll display them soon. They all smashed their expensive $400 phones and a $3,000 laptop got broken. They, they, they dismantled the material capital element that breeds sin into our country. Okay? Oh, I should stay away from politics, huh? Okay, I'm going to bench it. I'm just saying, it's not, that's not going to happen at any political convention. You will never see young people smash their iPods and, and, and say, uh, I repent of my sin of pornography. That's not going to happen at any political convention. If it does, I will eat my words. <laughs> They're not going to do it. Because we're in a system. We're in a system that values that. Anyway, okay. Um, So Jesus is levitating off the planet. And I can't imagine what the apostles are thinking at this time. They must be like, oh, what is going on? This is weird. I thought you were going to stay and fix the world. And now you're, you're floating off into the sky. And they're looking up into the sky, right? They're looking at the bottom of his sandals. <laughs> like, oh, what did we sign up for? I don't get it. Then what happens? Angels, right? Angels like pop up on both sides and they're like they're like looking up too. It's like what are you guys looking at? <laughs> what are you guys doing? See, angels have a purpose, right? What are they? They're messengers. So what's the message here? Message here? They're in, they're in the story for a reason. 
They're just not there for special effects. They're, they're not there to spice up the story. They're there to tell us something. What are they telling us? Why are the angels are in the story? They say, Why are you, what, what are you guys doing? Why are you looking up into the sky? The same Jesus, he's going to come back. Let's not be all insecure about where you're at right now. It's going to be okay. This is where we're going to push a little bit. Because they, they, they were stuck. All right. Listen to the words coming out of my mouth. I love Jesus. I love the cross. I, 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 um, if I ever get bored or confused or frustrated with the work that was done on the cross, then, then I know I'm in bad shape. And there's something wrong with my heart, right? I'm going to do some work on my heart. You've got to you know, reintroduce back in the idea of what happened at the cross. Huh? My dad told me something once when I was a boy. And it was very, um, uh, it stayed with me for the rest of my life. Because I was, um, I was in Alvaro Street, and I, I bought myself a little crucifix, and it had Jesus on it. And I said, so, Dad, I don't understand why, you know, why we have our cross and there's no Jesus on it, but, you know, you know these, they have Jesus hanging on them still. And he's like, well, well, the reason why we don't do it is because Jesus isn't on the, he's not on the cross anymore. Okay? Now, I, I like Catholics, and I like Orthodox, and so that's, that's not the point. But you see... That, that, that trap that you fall into of constantly seeing Jesus on the, the cross, we can easily fall into the same trap of saying, uh, it's all about Jesus, it's all about Jesus, it's all about Jesus. And again, that's great. Our focus is on Jesus. But we will use religion and spirituality to avoid what God is calling us to do. Because we're lazy. Because we're scared. Because we don't want to step out in faith and we don't want to risk. So we'll spend our spiritual lives looking up into the sky, pretending like we're fascinated with Jesus when we're just too scared to move. And we need a messenger that will come in and say, you, you've, got to, you've got to move on here. We need to break this cycle, this, this thing that you've got going on because you, you're frozen and you're not producing any fruit, right? That's what the angels are saying. That's the message in, that they're giving these guys. They're saying, look, um, you gotta, you gotta, he's not here anymore. He still exists, but he is, he is going to be advancing his kingdom. He is ascending to the right hand of the Father. He's going to sit, it, it's all... Is there a real throne? Of, I don't know. There probably is. Who knows? But the point is, is that Jesus is ruling and directing his kingdom from heaven. Even all the bad things that are going on in your life, he's going to direct them to good from, from his place of authority in heaven. And he's given us the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, um, you will actually know Jesus better as he's directing things from heaven if you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. You will know him better in a deeper way that way than you would if you existed 2,000 years ago with those 12 knuckleheads that had no idea what was going on. You will know him better now than you will in the ancient times. So don't envy the apostles. If anything, the apostles ought to be envying us. 
because we are stepping into the greatest moment in history, empowered by the Holy Spirit. If anything, they are jealous about us, where we're at right now in, in this point in history. Isn't that cool? I think that's cool. All right, let me f- further illustrate this point of maybe being too religious, right? Being stuck, being frozen, looking up into the sky. In, in John chapter 20, uh, you know who the first person was to encounter the resurrected body of Jesus? Mary. It wasn't Peter. It wasn't James. It wasn't John. It wasn't any of the good old boys. It was Mary. And she had the same problem. We, all, we would all do the same thing if we were in love with Jesus. She, she rushed at him and she grabbed him, right? And what is, do you remember what Jesus says? He says, Step off. <laughs> he said, back off. Now, I just recently d- discovered that, uh, you know, when, it, when I re- originally read this story where Jesus says, you know, don't touch me yet because I have not ascended. Now, what I originally thought was, okay, Jesus just resurrected from the body, and he is like, he's radioactive, right? There's like some weird super spiritual thing going on, and he's going to, you know, Mary's going to get radiation, spiritual radiation poisoning if she gets too close to Jesus because he's just like vibrating or whatever. But that's not what, did anybody else believe that or is that just me? I think that's just me. What Jesus is telling Mary, he's saying, um, you are hanging on way too tight to the physical form of Jesus. You need to let me go so that I can empower you more through the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? I have to ascend in order to empower you. And you, you have, if you love me, you will, let me, you will let this physical thing go. Isn't that weird to think about? It's like what the prophet Sting said, if you love someone, let them free, right? <laughs> Jesus says, it is better for you that I leave the planet so that you will be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We have it better than those guys. I think once we can figure it out, we'll be in good shape. All right, if I could have the band, and we've got something special going on. Uh, we got some, we're going to do something fun with our kids. And as they're on their way up, I am going to pitch something. Okay, so we did this prophetic conference, and it, it, it changed. Um, there was a shift. There was a spiritual shift in our church. It changed things. And um, it was healthy. It was good. People's lives got changed. And, and the comments were like, Granite Creek is never going to be the same again. True. And I was thinking to myself, okay, so if God is pushing us forward in this area of prophetic and we, got, we did it right. We, actually, we, did, we did something right, church. <laughs> we did it right. What's the next step? And immediately I knew the next step is healing and impartation. And so I actually, I actually, uh, uh, I've been following a, a, a pastor 
He goes way back. The dad knows him. The Shilgrens know him. He's an old vineyard pastor, and he has had an incredible life. And um, uh, he's been faithful. When most everybody would quit ministry, he stuck it out. And God, God blessed him and poured out more favor on this man's life. And now he runs an international healing ministry. He's one of the most requested uh, pastors on the planet. He preaches to stadiums. His name is Randy Clark. He's famous. Go look him up. And he's coming here. I just put this together, like, real quick. Um, I have a friend uh, who's, who's friends with him, and his church isn't large enough to hold him. Our church isn't large enough to hold him either, by the way. But so, you know, we're going to be uh, partnering with some other churches so that we can help Randy with his honorarium because we can't afford him either. So it's going to be really cool. It's June the 5th, and it's going to be a healing service. Um, And again, there will be other churches in the area that will be represented. So here's the thing for you guys. Um, I really like the idea. I love the idea. And uh, I love the the exposure that it's going to bring Granite Creek. And I like, okay, so there'll be other pastors and, you know, we'll look good, whatever. But you know what? I don't care about that. I care about you. I want you and your kids to see God move in powerful ways. So here's the assignment. So if you want to go from glory to glory, if this prophetic conference did something to you, if it stirred something, or if you've been stirred lately, or if if you need to be physically healed, or if Aunt Gertrude needs to be physically healed, you just just drag her here. You you do what the Bible did. Let me get these kids in here. They're not paying attention. Kids are not paying attention. I know, huh? Um, so I, I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna really encourage you. Look, um, maybe maybe you're struggling with doubt. It's okay if you are. So maybe you just need to see God move. I want it for you, and I want it for our kids. When I was a young boy, I saw things that changed my life forever. I saw people physically getting healed. I saw an angel. You know what that does? It completely changes the trajectory of someone's life. And yes, I want to look important in the religious community in our area. Eh, not really. I care about you. I want you to have those experiences, and I want your kids to have those experiences. And, and that's, what I, that's what I desire. So, you're, you know, if you want to do this, you better do it right away because it's going to book up real quick. It's a free event, but you've got to come with a ticket, okay? So you've got to go online, Granite Creek website. We're all set up. I just finished it this morning, right? <laughs> like, like during worship, I finished this thing off this morning. And you've got to sign up. And you've got to sign up your kids because we can't let anybody in without a ticket because it's going to fill up. It's just the thing. That, what Randy is doing is he is, I don't know how this happens, but he got invited to speak at the Whitehead Conference at, at Pomona College uh, in conjunction with the School of Theology. Whitehead, um, is, Whitehead developed something called process theology. 
Process theology says that God is in process along with his creation. God is changing and he's evolving. Um, that's called heresy. And, and Randy got invited to, he's got crazy favor. He, get, he got invited to the most intellectually intense conference on the planet. And we get to be a part of that. Does that make sense? So quit staring into the sky. Quit grabbing on to Jesus so insecure, with, with all your insecurities that, that you're paralyzed and you can't do anything. You see, I can lay hands on somebody and through the power in the, of Jesus, they get better. You know why that happened? It's because somebody imparted that gift onto me. And it can happen for your kids. You see what I'm saying? What? What? As 10 when I got that, Dad? All right, let's have the kids come up. Aren't they cute? All righty. Okay, so what we're going to do, it's Ascension Sunday, and um, they have something that they're going to read, and they've got prayers that we're going to attach to balloons, and we're going to let them go outside after, after this little thing here. Oh, that's good. Because the stories only make Christmas cards and Easter cards, we wanted to make a session day card for you because you've taught us and we've learned that this day is just important as the others to our faith. We've learned that when Jesus ascended to heaven, we, he, sent us, he sent us the Holy Spirit who is our helper and is with us always. So we are excited to remember and celebrate the day that Jesus that Jesus sent him to us. Now we hope that everyone will join us outside as we release 12 white balloons and symbolize Jesus ascending to heaven and giving us the Holy Spirit. So pretty. I'm going to put these in my office. What do you think? Oh. I love it. Isn't that cool? All right, if I could have the ashes come to the front. You guys are awesome. Are you guys done? Okay, so we're going we're gonna to take the offering, and we're going to do a last song of worship, and I want you to meet the girls out here as they release their prayers to God. Let's pray. I know. They deserve a hand cutest thing in the world. Uh, would you stand with me as we, as we pray? We close in prayer. Heaven, lo loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that there is an affection, that there is a love that, that we don't understand, and that there is your Son that, again, we don't get him. And even if he was in the room, we wouldn't get him. But, but he came, and he died for our sins, 
And he loves us so much that he gave us the Holy Spirit. We thank you so much for all the sacrifices that you've made for us. And we give you our lives, and we want more. I pray that you bless this offering in your name. Amen.